Welcome to the podcast, A Drink with Derek. Follow comedian Derek Richards on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel and watch all episodes of the podcast. Now grab a drink and join your host, Derek Richards. Derek Richards here in Las Vegas. Welcome to the uh, podcast, A Drink with Derek. Glad to uh, have you here. Sean Schultz, producer down in Florida. Thanks for uh, joining me here. I've got... uh, Fun guest here today. Had the chance to uh, hang out with him last week at the Comedy Castle in uh, Royal Oak, Michigan. It's uh, Joel Fragameni, who's a comedian, uh, podcaster, and also a comedy instructor. Looking forward to talking to him about how you teach comedy. How do you make someone funny? Do you take are you are you a, are you a are you a pottery person? Do you take this this lump of unfunny clay and make it into something amazing? We'll find out here real soon. I've got uh, an album out there called Double Down. You can snag it on uh, iTunes also, Spotify and Amazon. Double Down recorded at uh, Fort Myers, Fort Myers, Florida. Grab it today. Also, uh, make sure you check out the show Normal World on Blaze TV. I'm going to be on there uh, guest co-hosting with uh, Dave Landau, September 5, 6, and 7, as Quarter Black Garrett takes a vacation. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to normalworld.com. Blaze TV. Download the app. Go ahead and uh, get the promo code uh, NORMAL20, N-O-R-M-A-L, the number 20, and you can save 20% off of all the uh, Blaze TV shows. And uh, I've got some uh, dates coming up here. I'm going to be in uh, here in Las Vegas. Well, let's see what we got coming up here. Let's... Um, Wyandotte, Michigan. This is <laughs> look at this graphic. August eighteenth, comedy room at Portofino, Wyandotte, Michigan. August twenty first, Brad Garrett's Comedy Club here in Las Vegas. Uh, as I mentioned, September five through seven, I'll be on uh, Normal World with Dave Landau on Blaze TV, and then Harris Casino, Cherokee, North Carolina, September twentieth through the twenty fourth. <laughs> How did you get? I get. I get the Vegas graphic in the middle, but on the left, there's this rooster. All right, and then on the far right, it looks like a um, looks like some kind of an ancient, uh, like a like a village where they would have a, uh, a a cult retreat. So I don't know where these graphics came from, but uh, Sean, God bless you for pulling this out of your ass. Those are the dates I have coming up. My website, DerekRichards.com, has all the uh, other information. And uh, I want to pull up this. I put this tweet up on uh, well, and I can't even call it a tweet anymore. Now it's an X, I guess. I put this up. I posted it on Facebook and Instagram. Got some uh, great response, but go ahead and pull this up here, Sean. This this is after Diane Feinstein had that. I was I it wasn't a meltdown. She just wasn't responding during a uh, a vote that was cast in uh, Congress, and I just put Lionsgate Films set to cast Diane Feinstein in Leatherface sequel. She looks horrible, and someone came on my Facebook and said, uh, "Dude, so rude. Wait till you get old." It's got nothing to do with old. It's like. She's like 90. Get out of office. I don't think any, first of all, any, any public servant that stays in office beyond two terms is, is corrupt as hell. I think they're all corrupt anyway, but I think especially if you're hanging around that long. And you would think that if she hung around that long and was collecting all kinds of kickback money, she could do something with that wonky eye and that face that's all leaning to one side. But anyhow, she's, uh, I would think that she would have friends or family. Maybe some kids that would tell her, hey, Ma, wrap it up. Just hang out at home and let's just chill and have some uh, have some tea and relax. But, uh, oh, God, Sean, get rid of that picture. That's going to – anybody eating out there, it's horrible. My guest today, let's bring on this sexy bastard. He is a uh, comedian. He is a podcaster. He's got a killer podcast uh, called Joel Radio. You can find him on joelradio.net. He is obviously uh, a band member also, drum set behind him. I don't know when you started playing drums, Joel Fragamani, but uh, Joel is a comedian, podcaster, and also a comedy class instructor. He is uh, from uh, the Detroit area, actually in uh, Ferndale, Michigan, at the Joel Fragamani World Headquarters right now. We have Joel Fragamani with me here right now, his podcast uh, on joelradio.net. Also, comedycastlepodcast.com. I had the pleasure of doing that uh, last week. A lot of fun. Joel Fragamani is my guest here today. Hey. Hi. What's happening, buddy? How are you? How are you? I'm good. It's good to be good, on doing this show. well. It is. Good to have you on here. I was, 
You know what? I was looking on your uh, on jewelradio.net. I had no idea. I remember coming on and doing your podcast yeah. right. years ago, and I had no idea how long ago that was. And I pulled up your website, jewelradio.net, and the archives. Yeah. Oh my God, you are using up more server space than Bitcoin. <laughs> I we kept started, scrolling, yeah. and it goes back to like 2005. 2005. Impressive. Yeah. I was. Me and uh, my partner, uh, Corey Hall, at the time, started a podcast in March of 2005. We were the first professional comedians to ever do a podcast. So you have me to either thank or blame for all of this that has happened over the years. But, um, <laughs> but I've continued to do it uh, under my own name as Joel Radio. And I have all the archives going back to 2005 up there. And you were, you know, an early guest. You were a guy that we knew from... Uh, the Detroit scene, the Michigan scene, and uh, yeah. had all those guys on back then. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I, I really love doing that show. I will say, man, that is wicked impressive. 18 years doing a podcast. Yeah. Well, I think the wow. last one, I, I think the last one I did in 2023 was maybe back in January or something. But I'm, you know, I've got another podcast I'm doing now too. So it's well, like my you got a regular job. You're teaching yeah. comedy classes. And I mean, you were teaching comedy classes before, but I mean, you're working at the club a lot more often now. Now you have yeah. this additional podcast, the Comedy Castle podcast here. And we'll get into all that here in just a moment. But okay. I want to go ahead and bring up a couple items that uh, have popped across the uh, news feed lately. And just want to get your uh, get your take on them. Elon Musk, the owner of X and pretty much everything else on the planet, says that when his brain goes negative, he takes something called ketamine, which is uh, which was an animal tranquilizer. Now it's all over the place. I mean, there's literally a place out here in Vegas called Desert Ketamine. So it's <laughs> used to treat depression. When your brain goes negative, Joel, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, I First of all, I don't do ketamine uh, because I don't think that would help Plessy. my brain personally. Well, you know, I... I, uh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> When my brain goes negative, I don't know, I take a nap, I guess, try to refuel. I know that's not sexy like uh, Elon Musk is, but I mean, I mean, this is a guy like, doesn't he, doesn't he, can't he launch himself into space at any given moment? <laughs> doesn't he own rockets? I would rocket? think so. He owns space yeah, he does own rockets. What is he, what, like, what th more thrills does this fella need in his life? Like, I'm well, happy. You have that, that much like, money. Yeah. Yeah. When you have that much money, how how can your brain go negative ever? Right. He's got something to do. Like, I don't know. So what about start counting your money? And when you get to all you have, then start back at zero. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can do Wayne that. Brady. That would keep you occupied for a long time. That would be that would absolutely keep you occupied. Yeah. That would take my brain from negative to really happy <laughs> if I was just sitting there counting Elon Musk's yeah. money. Count your money when if you're I was Elon started. Musk for that matter. Oh, so Wayne Brady. Comedian, also a uh, a host of uh, Let's Make a Deal, has come out and saying that he's pansexual, which apparently means you're attracted to everything. Man, <laughs> woman, animal, vegetable, mineral, fence yeah. post, chiminea, a nice couch. I don't, is this, did you, do you really need to say anything? Uh, no, I mean, we've known that he, you know, Look, for, I feel somewhat redeemed by this news, Derek, to be honest with you, because for years you know? we've, assumed, we've assumed, and I'm, I'm counting you in this, that, you know, Wayne was a friend to Judy, if you know what I'm talking about. We all knew that, right? I got you. Yeah. And dancing everywhere. It's like, this is, this is, you know, something's up with this guy. But he denies it. He goes on and says he's, uh, he's all man and he's got a wife and kids or whatever he's got. And then this comes out. Right. And I'm like, well, I feel vindicated now. 20 years, I feel like the bad guy, and now it's him. Well, and I don't think it's something that, listen, whatever you're into is whatever you're into. I could care less. I don't care yeah, if you're gay, you. straight, trans. Yeah, I mean, I knock yourself out. I, I just don't know what the end game is to come out. <laughs> I mean, is there, are there, uh, was there the untapped pansexual market that was not watching Let's Make a Deal? Yeah. And then they're going, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> One of our tribe. Is in yeah. is on TV. We should we should hang out and watch them. I think. And listen, if you're going to host a show like Let's Make a Deal, which to me I think is like the worst game show ever. Yeah. Someone yeah, comes yeah. out dressed like a piece of toast. I'm like, yeah, right. No dignity, no self respect. That is why the terrorists hate us. <laughs> Did you see the COVID? Let's make a deal. I think they still are going under COVID rules. Do you know what that is? 
Are you serious? They're, they're, no, they're in like little pods of like three or four idiots all dressed up together instead of like a whole studio audience. So it's these little like you have to be six feet away from the guy dressed up as the Indian chief or something. <laughs> like it's, it's the, the end dumbest, of days. Dumbest show. Bring back, you know, I, I think he's dead, but Monty Hall, that was a great show when he had it. And since they've given it to Wayne Brady, I can't watch it anymore. I'm sorry. Pansexual well, or not. In, well, and in case you're curious, you can find COVID episodes of Let's Make a Deal on joelradio.net. They're buried <laughs> in the archives. It's up to you to find them. Joel oh, mislabeled wanna... all of them. So just well, go down look, there and if, scroll. No, you can go and, back and click. Go back to 2005 when I'm calling Wayne Brady a poof. Now I feel vindicated about that show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're worried again, when you are. Yeah. yeah. I don't care what anybody does. It's none of my business. He's he's a talented game show host. He's funny. People enjoy he's him. Funny. I'm like, yeah. I just don't know how, how he's sitting at home one day just having, <laughs> having coffee and an English muffin. And he goes, you know what? I am going to tell the world. That I'm into this. <laughs> I just don't know how any publicist goes. Ah, you know, Wayne, that's not. That's a great idea. You should absolutely do that. I think there somewhere was like a Manila envelope. Maybe it's behind glass somewhere in his manager's office. Like Wayne, can we break the glass? I think we need this. I think you need some press. Let's go. <laughs> like this emergency. was him jump. Yeah, this is him jump. This is him jumping the shark and also wanting to fuck it at the same time. <laughs> There's a red button somewhere that's like, boom. <laughs> Can we hit the homo button, Wayne? Not yet. It's too soon. I swear. Career is done. Break here. Break Spielberg here when career is in the tank. Come on, don't do that. He's he's making a ton of dough. Come on, I don't understand this. Uh, some other funny. Stories I came across here. Go ahead and pull this one up, Sean. This cracked me up. This is obviously in the uh, in the UK. Drunk man, 26, is jailed for eight weeks after he tried to have sex with a pile of leaves in a premiere in car park. Now, a number of things stick out with this sentence. And jump in whenever you feel comfortable, Joel. Uh, <laughs> how do you get tossed in jail for eight weeks? Yeah. in the UK for trying to bang a pile of leaves. Well, they've determined that eight weeks is enough. You've paid your, you've paid your debt to society after eight weeks. You know, had you, uh, had you fucked a tree, it's uh, six months, but because it's just leaves, the leaves are dead. I just, you know, it's tree necrophilia, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How do you justify hanging out in a prison? in a yeah. jail right. for eight weeks and 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 again the, the old hacky line is like hey what are you in for it's like yeah you know i tried <laughs> to stab my girlfriend what are you in for i tried to fuck a pile of oak leaves yeah well maybe they don't I let like them how out. they took <laughs> go ahead what's that i said maybe they don't let them out into the yard <laughs> maybe right. they wait till fall they wait till fall is over <laughs> like maybe he just because... has to be in there until until spring yeah or at least until winter, so the snow covers it up. It covers it because up. Because it's that... like, uh, yeah, I wonder if he's not allowed. I wonder if this is like uh, um, like he's on a registry now. He can't come outside from September through November. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. What was he? Uh, I mean, and he, it looks like it's some uh, low-rent motel anyway. Like, couldn't you go? Yeah, couldn't well, you, you know, you could be fucking something inside that hotel, I'm sure. Listen, for the right. grace of God, some of the gigs that you and I have both done through the years, I would have been way better off trying to bang a pile of leaves. <laughs> I've, dated girls, I've dated girls that have resembled a pile of leaves, but that's not, you know. <laughs> we went Wayne to Brady, college. by the way. Wayne yeah. Brady, big fan of leaves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything. Leaves. Huge. Trunk. Huge fan of huge fan of leaves. All right, this next one here. This this story cracks me up. This 87-year-old lady, her house gets uh, broken into by a pantsless intruder. He breaks into the house, and apparently he was standing over her bed, and she wakes up and he and he just says, I'm gonna cut you. He's got no pants on. She like jumps up, grabs a chair. 87 years old, by the way. This is in Maine. 
87-year-old broad. You can see the picture of her. She looks way better than Diane Feinstein. She's obviously way more uh, together. Takes his chair and starts beating this guy. And then her comment, don't sit and cry about it, was her saying to people, listen, don't be the victim. You know, go ahead and fight back. But she literally gave this guy peanut butter and crackers. She's beating him with a chair, and he just says, I'm really hungry. She calls the <laughs> cops and then feeds him. Because people in Maine, I, that's a different breed of kitty cat up there. I love Maine. One of my best friends lives up there. They're, they're an odd group of people in Maine. So, I, I mean, I'm thinking if you're going to break into a house, pants would be something you want to wear. I mean, hopping, climbing through a broken window, ouch. <laughs> yeah, with no pants. I mean, I, Joel, I would ask you this. Things that you should not do pantsless. What should you not do pantsless? Um, yeah. Well, I, if I was breaking into that lady's home, yeah, being pantsless wouldn't really give you, you know, it's an 87-year-old woman. What's the best that you expect to happen? You know, you're going right. to take advantage of her, but she's not going to be, you know. Fuck somebody who might be into it. Break into Wayne Brady's house pantsless. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that line. Next story. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. That's that was a that, that was the closer. I'm not gonna go ahead. I'll tie it the all beauty together. of comedy. It, the beauty of yeah. comedy is knowing when the killer line has been delivered and then backing away. <laughs> and that was it right there. Boom, done. Congratulations. Game set match, Joe okay. Fragamani. Last story here. I want to talk about Lizzo here for a second. We've all heard about this story. Or many of you have, if you have not. Uh, woke icon Lizzo, guilty of fat shaming and racially sexually harassing employees, lawsuit claims. Now, those of you not aware, Lizzo was a very large artist who was uh, apparently fat shaming her backup dancers. And she took them to uh, Amsterdam in the red light district and uh, apparently was making them eat vaginas or eat, eat bananas coming out of strippers vaginas joel fragameni yeah have you ever been in a situation where you have eaten a banana out of a woman before i have not eaten a banana out of a woman before but uh i'm okay. willing to try <laughs> i've got a number of shows in amsterdam coming up i don't but oh. when i do i'm bringing you and we are going to go <laughs> to these places well, then can I, well, if I am your opening act, I could conceivably sue you. <laughs> you could. You could conceivably sue me. There's so many layers Joel, to this lawsuit. Said banana. And I'd be like. <laughs> There's so many layers to this lawsuit, which cracks me up. Because apparently she was fat shaming these backup dancers. And Lizzo is a rather large human being. I mean, I, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I really wish that the Lions would sign her. And that would, uh. Guarantee us to win the NFC North. And we were going to try to get Lizzo on right now to have a discussion, but she is at Golden Corral with her face in a gravy boat. But um, I don't know. I'm a horrible human for saying that. I'm no prize. I get it. But again, this lawsuit that's coming out, I mean, I don't know if it's fact or if it's fiction, but I mean, if you're a backup dancer, if you're a backup singer, or you're working with another comedian, and I say, hey, we're going to go out to fill in the blank strip club. And this mm -hmm. is what's going on. You know, is it, how much of that responsibility is it on you to just turn around and walk away? You definitely could turn around and walk away or you can actually go and have fun. That's, I think that's where a lot of this comes down where people are sort of incredulous is like, that sounds, you know, I would love if my boss took me out and said, go eat a banana out of this cooch. Like I'd be fine, you know, that's fun to me. May not be fun to everybody, but you'd think she knew. You think people knew what they were getting into, you know? <laughs> yeah, if you're in Amsterdam going to the red light district, I mean, I, you know, these backup dancers could potentially lose their jobs. So yeah. if they don't decide to play along. So I think there's that level of pressure. I mean, they're excited to be on this tour. They're excited to be working for uh, somebody who's as big of a superstar as she is. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we are in the situation. There's produce coming out of this woman. And they're like, hey, <laughs> dive in. Well, it's like, uh, hey, you want to go to the banana snatch tonight? You know, what do you think's going to happen? I would, I would, I would go there and I would, I would enjoy watching somebody do that just for the yeah. sake of being yeah. able to have a fun story to tell. Right. Would I do it myself? I, 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 I say no now because I'm sober. Mm -hmm. Add a few cocktails. I don't know exactly where my limitations are. So, I mean. 
if you were in that situation, would you go ahead and do that? Or if you say no now because you're sober and coherent, what would it take for you to do something like that? Um, I think, I think if I was in a fun mood, that doesn't sound like, it sounds like something I might do, but I also would, if I didn't want to do that, I would hope I wouldn't be fired for it. You know, I think they'd be like, well, he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to eat the banana, but he'll do something else. I don't know. I, I, um, it's just, you know. She, I think a lot of people are like, boy, she seems like a cool boss. And then other people are going, why, how dare she make her employees do this? I, you know, I mean, first of all, who knew that Lizzo eats healthy? I mean, it's produce for God's sakes. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing that surprises me the most. If it were, yeah. if it were virtually anything else coming out of a, coming yeah. out of another, right. another human, yeah. you know? Yeah, I wouldn't have expected a banana, right? Or a, hey, or or a kiwi. All right. Well, Lizzo. I mean, if it was like a soft pretzel or something, it might be more on brand for Lizzo. But this is the banana we're talking about, Derek. <laughs> soft pretzel. That's not All right. like a, a European uh, knot of some kind. I, I don't know, Amsterdam. So I don't know not if they like got one pre- of those big, not like one of those big pretzels that you see at uh, at like a uh, um. German festival or Frankenmuth yeah. where they right. where it comes yeah. out. It's this big swirly thing. Uh, because Bavarian, that, yeah. Yeah. The, a big Bavarian pretzel coming out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if yeah. it comes out in that form, I'm like, yeah. hey, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch that. And say, grab the mustard. Let's go. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your comedy class. You teach a comedy yeah. class. I do. Which to me, you teach the advanced comedy class. So let me ask you this here. You do this at uh, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan. Anybody looking to take the class, go ahead and pull up this uh, graphic here. The Advanced Comedy Class at Mark mm-hmm. Ridley's Comedy Castle. You can go ahead and uh, call the Comedy Castle box office if you are in the uh, Detroit area. If you are not and you're interested in comedy, I highly recommend you stop by and um, and check this out. So you've got these uh, classes coming up here. Now, let me ask you this. Who takes these classes? Well, the idea of the advanced comedy class is there's a beginner comedy class at the club, and that's a thing that anyone can take. Like, you can give it as a birthday present to somebody and say, here's your hand at stand-up comedy. You go to the Comedy Castle for a few weeks and work on some stuff, and then you do a showcase with your friends and family all showing up, right? It's kind of like the dance recital model, right, of learning comedy. But that's just for anyone that wants to do it. My class is for people that want to do it professionally, not just, hey, I'm going to do this once and you know, have all my friends come out. This is like a thing that you want to do as a career. And so from that perspective, it's a little different. I'm teaching people about, um, you know, being a professional, how to get, um, you know, a professional press kit together, how to get uh, yourself booked on shows, how to book your own shows and run your own shows. Um, So it's really about trying to make money doing comedy, which is a whole nother hurdle for people after they've started it, you know, as you could understand, right? You just, it's not about just doing it. It's about actually getting paid to do. it. No, definitely. So are you covering more of the business angle of this or are you also doing uh, sessions well, yeah, on stage we, too, where people are going up work, and trying out new material, work on people's uh, material, work on their jokes, work on their stage presence. I talk about what you should wear when you're on stage. Um, how you should present yourself on stage. It came up a couple weeks ago. Do I need a stage name to be in comedy? Um, All of these things come up, uh, and I talk about all of them. You know, a lot of etiquette and things that you need to do uh, as a a host. I spend a whole week talking about being an MC and why that's important and why you should want to be the MC and not say, I don't want to be the MC. I want to be the feature. You should want to be the MC because you'll work more. But, you know, that's one of the lessons. No, you do. What's the dumbest question you've been asked in the class? <laughs> There's got to be a million of them. The dumbest question I get asked. If you can think of, you can think of one or a yeah. collection of them. Um, I think I get asked a lot about, um, I, I think the dumbest notion that people that don't understand how the business works, and I'm trying to smarten them up to it is, hey, I wrote, uh, you know, in your, in the beginning class, I wrote seven minutes of stuff. So, if I just write another 40 minutes of stuff on my headliner, I think that is something that people do not understand that are coming into it, what it takes to actually be 
the person, the name on the billboard, you know, the name on the wall uh, and being the star of the show. Um, it's not just about doing a certain length of time. Um, that's a misnomer. I think you can, you know, you can go really far with a nice 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. You can get well, known for well, having 10 great minutes of stuff. Well, and here's what's funny, too, is somebody had a great line. They said, um, someone said, how much time do you have? And the comic says, oh, I got um, an hour. And then it's like, all right, the next question is, how much time do you have when they hate you? <laughs> that's a good one. I should and bring, that's a bring great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a great question. And a buddy of mine told me, had mentioned it to me years ago. And I mean, because you think about it and you're on stage and you know how long things normally take. And when the crowd hates you, you just look at your, yeah. you look at the watch, you look at the clock on, and you're going, oh man, I've been up here for 20 minutes and you look at it, it's been three and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a thing when, when, you know, they're not into it. Cause I always say laughter takes time, you know, practice this stuff at home. If it's five minutes, bring it to the stage at seven minutes. You got to pause for all that laughter. If they're not laughing, you're burning through material so quick. And, you know, you just end up with, you know, oh, I'll talk to them. Well, you'll talk to them, but they hate you. You know, you don't want to hear what they got to say if they don't like you. <laughs> you know? Well, I think you're in, you're in a much better situation teaching your class because it's the advanced yeah. class. Like Bill Bouchard, another comedian in, in Detroit, very funny guy, teaches mm -hmm. the beginning class, yeah. which to me, that's like boot camp. And mm -hmm. you're and you're like ranger school. They got through boot camp <laughs> and now they yeah. want to stay in the military and they're going to yeah. they're going to go ahead and, and, and keep going. So, yeah. I mean, how do you So you're watching these people go up on stage? And I've sat in on, on a couple of your classes when I was working over there in uh, at the Comedy Castle. And it was funny because I've run into a couple of people that saw me talk to your class on a couple of different occasions that were in your class, obviously. Okay. And they said, man, when you were up there, I thought when I first heard you, you were the biggest asshole. <laughs> because I just don't believe in pulling any punches on stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put frosting on this business because it's a tough business. Yeah. And so many people go about it, you know, the wrong way and, you know, and stuff that I did. And I'm like, I'd rather go ahead and share how mm -hmm. I fucked up so yeah. that someone else doesn't do the same stupid shit that, that I do. And I think what's lacking in this business is a lot of honesty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very. You, how, how do you deal with? How do you deal with that? I mean, somebody I have, goes up on stage, one of your students, and they're yeah. and they're up there and they are bombing. And I think yeah. one of the funniest things in this business is people think they're killing, and they have what's <laughs> called laugh ears. Yeah, and they're like, ah, wasn't that great? And I'm like, did you not hear anything in the crowd at all? No one was laughing. So how yeah. do you, as an instructor, when someone goes up and does this, how do you gracefully say that sucked? I would say those jokes didn't work. I I right. sort of, I mean, cause I sort of, I can take the performance and the material and sort of split those things and say, well, you, you, you know, you look, you know, you look like a comic, you sound like a comic, but they didn't like the joke. So just change the jokes. And sometimes people have good jokes, but they're presenting it the wrong way. But I'm very blunt. You know, I, if you take my class, if you're paying me money to give you advice, I will give you that advice. I will tell you if you're not good. Um, because I feel like in comedy, nobody's good when they start, even by the right. time they get to my class, a lot of them, you know, they're just starting out. They probably haven't been paid for a show yet. So, right. you know, they, they've got to learn how to do it and, 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 uh, and get paid for it. So it's, I, I gotta be honest, you know, but I'm also not a guy that goes to like an open mic and pulls people aside and go, Hey, let me tell you what you did wrong there. I'm not that guy. Like right. I don't give unsolicited advice. <laughs> you've got to be in the class and you've got to be buying into my system a little bit before I'm going to pull you aside and go, look, you, you fucked that all up. You did it wrong. Well, I think, well, I think one of the things too, is when somebody asks you to watch their set mm -hmm. and then you jot down some notes and mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's me or, uh, or you or any other comic that's out there. And then you, you, you jot down some like legitimate constructive criticism or some possible tags and mm -hmm. you give it to them and then you see them again the next time and they're still yeah. doing the exact same yeah. shit that didn't work before. Yeah. Is there any way, is there a, a mind trick to try to, uh, that you try to teach people where it's like, listen, don't get so caught up in you. Mm -hmm. Take advice from some other people that are out there. If you, especially if you ask them 
And you could look at it. And, and, and I've asked people for stuff before, too. And they'll, they'll jot some stuff down. And I'll look at it. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> and then I try it. And it, and it kills. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? I, I didn't see that coming. But I'm glad I took, I, I'm glad I listened. I'm glad I took your advice. And I'm glad I moved forward. Is there any mind trick that you tell people about uh, trying to implement new stuff or trying to change something instead of continuously doing the same joke that doesn't land? I tell them, um, you know, I always say the audience is the judge. If you love it, it's not enough to be in your set. The audience has to like it. So if we're at a show and I'm there and I'm taking notes, and, and that's why I like uh, one thing I do in my class is I take my students to open mics. I think that image you showed of me earlier with the, uh, the, the drum kit, that's an open mic that I go out and do with my students here in town. It's a real shithole. But it's, it's, a, it's a chance to see things work. No, but it's a chance to see if the jokes work. It's like people will say, I really like this joke. And I say, I don't like that joke. And we're in class and there's just, you know, 10 of us in there sitting. And I'll go, all right, do this at the open mic on Monday night. And we'll see what they think. And if those people right. like it, okay, then it's in your set. If it doesn't like it, then you got to listen to me. I mean, I think the worst thing is people come into my class and they don't buy into what I'm telling them. And it's like, well, why, why did you even take it? You know, if right. you're taking it, you're buying in. You're literally buying in with money to say this person can perhaps make me better. And there's things that I'll do that aren't even the jokes. I'll say, you know, stand a different way on stage. Dress a different way for the stage. Um, hold the mic a different way. Get this mic stand out of your way. People will do that right. little tiny things like that. And they'll go, oh, my God, that was such a great set. All I did was stand back towards the, the back wall instead of at the very edge of the stage. I go, yeah, it makes you look desperate being up close to the edge of the stage, you know? And sometimes that's enough to just get them to go, okay, I believe you on this one. Now maybe I'll take your advice on the jokes. But, um, you know, I'm not 100% on jokes either. You know, I write jokes all the time. I, I think they're great. I try them out and nothing. Oh, 100%. You know? I think every comic goes through that. doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. I mean, we've all written jokes that bomb. Anybody that says, oh, I've never gone up and had a bad set is is the guy who has the laugh ears and yeah. just thinks that they always end up yeah. killing. I yeah. mean, do you ever tell somebody, do you ever pull someone aside who's just doing so bad and mm -hmm. you go, listen, this Uber <laughs> Eats needs drivers. <laughs> Yeah, I, you could. But here's the thing. Like I said, nobody's good when they start. If you do right. enough shows, I believe the human mind, if you have any, you know, if your brain works in as a normal person, says, you, you probably will get better at it. Will you get good enough to be a working comic? I don't know. But I was thinking about, you know, a guy uh, that I saw, you know, a couple weeks ago. And this is a guy that I remember starting out with. And I go, this guy sucks. This guy's not getting any laughs. He never stopped doing it, and he does it right. more than anybody. And he, I still would never pay 10 cents to watch this guy do a set, but I've seen him do a set in front of people, and people laugh, and he just did it enough to where he figured it out. Took him a while, but, you know, if you want it bad enough and you're willing to put the shows in, I mean, the hardest thing for any new comic is when you bomb and to get up the next time because you're probably not booked for anything. It's going to be you showing up to the open mic or calling to get on an open mic. And when you bomb, you don't want to, you're like, I never want to have that feeling again. And the easiest way is to just never do comedy again. And I say, if you bomb, if you have a bad set, you should figure out how to get on stage as quickly as possible after you bomb. Is there a late show I can go to and do a set? Get that right. stink off and just keep trying to do it. Um, but yeah, it's just doing bad. It's natural selection. If you do bad and it feels bad, it's probably not for you. But if you do stick with it and you have half a brain and you take advice from guys like me, I think, you know, I, I think you might be able to do it. Sometimes for me, where I get my students, it's just too soon to tell. People I think might be big stars just don't feel right. like doing it. Or sometimes people write a great seven minutes. And then when it's like you got a feature and you got to do 20, they can never get to that 20. Um, and some people just very slowly ramp up and they figure it out. Well, here's Hard what's to funny say. to me. There always seems to be a wave of comics that come out. I was just going to say this because I would imagine you probably get people that make comments like this. Whoever the next big thing is, 
So say Bill Burr releases a special, Dave Chappelle, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, And then now, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I really like how, you know, Chappelle's style is. He's very storytelling, blah, blah, blah. Do you see people that end up going on stage like right after Chappelle releases a Netflix special? And now all of a sudden, here's somebody pulling (laughs) up a stool and sitting down and talking to the crowd. I'm like, okay. I mean, two-part question. Do you see somebody doing something like that? And then the second part to this question is, when you see someone like Matt Reif, who has gained so much yeah. popularity doing crowd work, now do you end up seeing students in your class that are trying to go ahead and emulate Matt Reif? So yeah. that's two, the, two yeah, Matt Reif. Well, Say Chappelle style and then, and then Matt Reif. So let's go with Chappelle first. Well, uh, Chappelle, you know, I think Chappelle's influence to me is a little harder to see because... You know, I mean, it's it's social commentary, I guess. If I was hearing right. something and I go, okay, that he's doing Chappelle, he's doing sort of social commentary. I think guys that are influenced by Chappelle are going for applause in a lot of cases. They want people to agree with them, so they're going to try to be like this right-on political opinion versus, right. you know, laughs. And I always say, you're going for laughs. That's what I tell my students. I said, people did not pay a bunch of money and get dressed up and go out to a club to applaud all night. They came to laugh, make them laugh. Laughs are more important than applause. So I think the Chappelle thing is more of that kind of, I'm a truth teller. I'm going to give you right on kind of sage, you know, help me navigate this crazy world, Dave Chappelle. And I think if you're trying to do that and people don't know who the hell you are, that's not never going to work. You know, make them laugh. Once you've, once you've given them enough jokes, joke jokes set up in punchlines and people know who you are then maybe later years down the road you can start becoming that guy who's giving you know telling you about the world and all that stuff but the matt rife thing is the thing now uh that people always ask me well when are you going to talk about crowd work in your class when are you going to teach us how to do crowd work i say i'm not going to teach you how to do crowd work because as a new comedian doing short sets you shouldn't be doing crowd work Crowd work will grow out of being an MC. You'll be an MC and there'll be some shitty night where no one wants to pay attention. So, you know, rather than telling your jokes, you talk to them about what they do for a living and you kind of figure that out. Um, but yeah, so what Matt Reif started doing, and, and I got nothing against the guy. I, I'm surprised. I think a lot of it is how he looks, which is cool if you look like that and girls want to come see you. I think that's fantastic. But I, I you know, I don't, I don't like to encourage people to do crowd work because... I think in a lot of cases, it's boring for the audience. Uh, if you're new at it, you're not going to be any good at it. And, you know, it's a thing you can have in your back pocket if you need it. But to go out and make a show out of crowd work, I think you're just going to disappoint more people than uh, you're going to see, uh, than, than you're going to, you know, entertain. And I think the other guy that, and this is years ago now, but I think Dane Cook was a guy. When Dane Cook yeah. was coming up yeah. and peaking, you saw all those guys with those... <laughs> bejeweled jeans and affliction shirts on going out and doing these shows. And it was all kind of spiky hair. And, you know, I think that's over now, of course, but you know, it was definitely a fad where everyone wanted to be Dane cook. There's a real interesting conversation that I heard that Matt Reif had on a podcast because he was saying that now when he's doing these shows in these big theaters, there's always somebody in the crowd, people in the crowd that are yelling out at him, trying to be the person that he talks to. Because they right. want to be the person who's on his Instagram feed, the person that's yeah. getting 350,000 likes because he's talking to Bob, who happens to be a nurse, or yeah. you know Brenda in accounts payable, and he's going off on her. And so he actually said, he goes, listen, I'm going to do you know, like another show or two with crowd work, and then I'm done with crowd work. Okay. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. I mean, I haven't seen his stand-up show. I was actually grateful enough to be, I worked with him on a, on an independent film a couple of years ago here in Vegas. Super nice guy. Yeah. Super, super nice guy. But I'll be curious how that's going to go when he drops the crowd work, because that's everything that got him most of his heat on social media. As far as people digging all the reels and clips of, you know, him messing with the crowd and doing stuff like that. I mean, again, the fact that the guy is insanely good looking, and he's got women lined up out the door to come see him. God bless him. But I think yeah, it'll, be a real, it'll be a real super interesting case study to see what happens yeah, I, with him when he drops that crowd work. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think most 
Uh, I know this from Matt. I, I learned how to do magic a few years ago. I've never done magic on stage. I did once. Went Seriously? Wrong. But I'm, I'm an amateur magician, believe it or not. And here's a pair, it's something I will draw into comedy here. When the magician is finding somebody in the crowd to come on stage with them, if you raise right. your hand, you'll never be picked. They don't want that person who wants to be part of the show. It's not what makes it good. It not, you know, the people that want to be part of the show are the ones that are going to fuck it up. You know, the thing, and I think that's true of crowd work. It's the people that are just trying to have, you know, go out and have an entertaining time and are sort of unwittingly ask these questions. Uh, that's what you want. You know, I, I don't think, I think as a comic doing crowd work, you don't want somebody making their own jokes. You know, I'm going to ask a question. No, no, exactly. I'll make, I'll make it funny. Trust me. I don't need you fucking it up. And I don't, and if I'm working with somebody in front of me, I don't want them doing crowd work. Yeah, And that's, that's just me I because I don't want, I don't want the audience to start thinking that now we can just start yelling. Yeah at the yeah. next comic coming up on stage. Right. And yeah. so, you know, the guys that can do the crowd work and do it well, I mean, there's a, sure. a ton, there's yeah. a great comic out here, Nancy Ryan, who's hysterical. Um, yeah. Rich Ian Boss Bag. is very good. I know Bob, Bob Levy's good. Yeah, Ian Bag. I mean, there's a ton of comics that, yeah. Al Romas, comic out of uh, Florida, who's hilarious and does a really good job with that stuff. But yeah, I think as someone who's coming up, I, you don't just dive into crowd work, it happens. And then you've got to kind of oh. study certain things like if you're going to start asking oh where are you from and they say oh, i'm from yeah. new york it's like you know all right well then start thinking of regional things that would make sense for you to throw yeah. in yeah in have those situation. have the new york jokes ready to go have jokes i mean those guys that that do the crowd work so much they have a joke for everything i'm you know married people single people people with kids people with no kids right people from every state in the country um, I remember watching a guy, this was before I started stand-up. I went to uh, Conan in New York. I was going to NYU and I went and saw Conan at NBC and the warm-up guy impressed the hell out of me. You know, the guys that do television warm-up, they go out and right. warm up the crowd before the taping starts because it's all crowd work and these people are from everywhere. And whatever line you hear, you know, he, wherever you're from, he's got a line for it. Because all these people sure. are coming from all over the world to watch this Conan taping. And I saw two different tapings, same warm-up guy, same jokes. Now, some people would think that was lame. I thought it was so interesting to watch this guy go, oh, you're from Canada? Okay, they got a town called Regina. Regina. Kids live there. You know, it was a joke. Right. And it's like, that's smart. He's got a joke about everywhere. Like, that's right. how you approach stuff like that. And, and new comics just don't have that repertoire of stuff. And sometimes that repertoire of stuff is repeated things that you've heard from other people doing it, which I think to comics makes crowd work a lot less interesting. No, exactly. Well, now let me ask you this too, because when I had started doing this back in 93 and now, God, it pains, Jesus Christ, <laughs> 30 years, kill me. Oh my God. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull a Jeffrey Epstein here, here and that 30 years doing this. Good God. 30, yeah. 30 years. But I mean, you know, when I had started off doing this, Versus people coming out of your class now. I mean, mm -hmm. it is night and day. Yeah. I mean, now you've got all these mediums out there as far as, you know, podcasts. I mean, there's, you know, get on yeah. YouTube, TikTok, do all this kind of crap. How do you tell these students today to market themselves? Because I think a lot of them start looking at stuff on YouTube yeah. and TikTok, Instagram, and they start going, I need to do that. Mm. Yeah. What do you well, I. I think that might be the thing, you know, I'm constantly learning and, and what I, you know, the advice that I think I got starting out and you were sort of what your career trajectory was going to be is you'd work in the clubs and someone would see you and then maybe you move to the coast and then you get an agent and then you're on television and then television to sitcom to theaters, you know, and there and there. And now people are like, well, if I got an Instagram or a TikTok that's hot, I can go play big clubs. I can play theaters. And maybe that is where it's going. Um, I would, all, but I would tell anyone, and it's the same advice uh, we always had about, you know, putting out an album or putting out, a, a, you know, a full hour concert or something is make sure it's good. You know, the, the one thing you don't want is when you put your name on something and you release it to people is like, this is a piece of shit. You know, if it's not good, don't release it. Don't do it just to say you have it. Oh, here's my hour. Here it is. Well, if it's a crummy hour, it's only going to hurt you. 
you're better off not having an hour out there and going in and, you know, doing a guest spot and doing 10 minutes and killing it is going to help you more than some crummy special or a bad CD. You know, he said, you know, don't make CDs because CDs will sit in the sit in the booker's office for years and he'll pop it in one day and go, oh, fuck, not booking this guy. And it may be material. Well, that's, that's a good point. But, you know, the thing about like and I tell my students that I'm like, record your stuff. Put it on YouTube. Make it private. If anyone wants to watch it, you send them a link. Don't make it available to everybody because it's only going to – you're going to get people in the comments shitting on you. Who wants that? No, exactly. Well, you know what's funny? There was a – years ago when you used to have to send VHS tapes to people. Yeah, I right? did that. There was a comic who had sent – he had he bought like a bunch of these old porno VHS tapes <laughs> and put his own label on top of yeah. it. Right. And he sent the he sent the videos off to these bookers because he swore to God that they never watched them and they never did. Yeah. So yeah. he'd send off the video to somebody and then contact the booker a couple weeks later and say, "Hey, I sent off a tape. You know, did you get a chance to look at it?" And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, that was great. You know, hey, we can bring you in here to uh, you know to host a week or uh, yeah. you know a feature or yeah, we got a headline spot." And it's like, you never watched this. Yeah, Chelsea Handler's. You know how Chelsea Handler got recognized? She was no. sending out these tapes. 10 minutes into the tape, she had a clip of her getting railed from behind by her boyfriend. And she just edited it right into her stand-up and then let it play. And somebody thought it was hilarious that she would do that. And that kind of got her, like, it wasn't super, you know, it was like her back or whatever. But it was literally right. like a little bit of like a sex tape in her stand-up. <laughs> and it actually got her noticed. So we start watching it. And goodness. So that's pretty smart. That is pretty smart. I will say this. As far as YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, I like that the audience is now being more of a judge of what is becoming popular yeah. than somebody in a New York or Los Angeles agency office. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in order to be popular, you know, it's like, uh, you know what? I'm a, uh, I'm a white guy, age 57. Eh. Oh, you're straight. Yeah. Eh, eh. You know, I, <laughs> You're you're just you're du you're doomed. You know, if I was you know a transsexual Mexican, you know, with a you know with a black mom and a uh, um, you know, an Icelandic dad that I was, you know, beaten by, I'm like, oh my God, sitcom. <laughs> so I think That's now true. what's cool yeah. is seeing what's that. Well, yeah, it's it's sort of whoever the people like, they're going to buy tickets to, and rather right. than having uh, gatekeepers and tastemakers. You, you know, but then you're at the mercy of the algorithm and that can be hard for some people too. Um, no, they, they go by your numbers now. I mean, I'm taking, you've heard that, right? What are your people asking your Instagram numbers before they book oh, yeah. you? They go, mm -hmm. send me to your Instagram. Oh, you only got, you know, 50,000. That's, you know, we were looking for a million and, you know, comics mm -hmm. have to try to boost these numbers and you can buy followers and all that stuff. You can fake it, but. Um, yeah, but you can you tell know, about followers. Well, that's true. But here's the, here's the, the thing that I heard. I heard about a headliner who um, was doing very well for himself, started doing TikTok over the pandemic, which a lot of comics did because they couldn't go out. So they were making videos and TikToks and stuff. And right. um, TikTok, for whatever reason, and I never heard the reason. I mean, I'm telling his story kind of secondhand, but uh, they took away his millions of followers and took him down to about 100,000. And his draw at the clubs just dried up overnight. You know, the clubs that he was playing at, you know, no one was buying tickets anymore. He was trying to get, you know, he was playing these clubs once and then trying to come back and make money on the net, you right. know, get a much better deal coming back. And he couldn't do that anymore. And, um, you know, I know one place even canceled this guy from what I heard for that reason. Wow. Um, so, you know, you are kind of at the mercy of a Chinese algorithm in the case of TikTok. Um, yeah. you know, if they decide, well, we're going to take away your followers because you were doing some chicanery with the numbers, um, then you're kind of, you're kind of fucked at that point. Um, so that's, that's a real downside of social media, uh, is that, you know, or, or, you know, they want to ban you for something you said, or, you know, and then you got, you know, they're the cops now too, <laughs> you know, it's not just the FCC and network television holding you back. It's, you know, well, imagine if TikTok crashed. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah, I, yeah. Imagine the platform just goes sideways. Like they were talking about here in the States where they were saying, yeah. we need to, you know, eliminate TikTok because they're, 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 yeah. they're getting information on you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh really? Like the federal government's already not doing that. So right. now, now yeah. I got to worry about China doing it, please. So yeah, 
yeah, that yeah, all of a sudden that platform goes down. I can think of a lot of people that are now no longer getting gigs. So yeah, or just you know, you can even be ma- you can be making the stuff, but they're not yeah. feeding it to other people. They just deciding right. okay, your followers will see it, but good luck getting new followers because no one's gonna see that stuff. And that that's yeah, kind of that's it's weird. Yeah, it's a shitty thing. It's just the new shitty thing, I guess. You know, it's replaced <laughs> other shitty things like some fat dude in an office somewhere in the Midwest saying, yeah, that bar owner didn't think you were funny. Like that fucking bar owner was high at the tight. Who did dealing with him? He, I'm not yeah, the bar owner wanted me to do co- the bar owner wanted me to do cocaine in the back and eat a yeah. banana out of his waitress's cooch. <laughs> He wanted to go Lizzo on me, and I wouldn't. And so now, all of a sudden, I can't get booked back at uh, at the VFW Hall in uh, Marion, Indiana. So yeah, I'm not I'm not bitter about Muskegon, Michigan, and that guy. I'm not at all. <laughs> I forgot all forgotten all about this. Joel Fragamani, JoelRadio.net yeah. is his uh, website. Right. Also, the uh, comedy classes over at um, Mark yeah. Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak. If you get a chance, uh, you need to take the uh, beginning class first, and then the advanced class with uh, Joel. Or- and then also or the uh, Comedy done, Castle podcast. Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you've done comedy, you can take the advanced class. Like if you've never oh, you taken can jump the line, when you have a little bit of experience, I will let you take the advanced class. You can jump the line. I might. I might take. I might take the class. I just want to see if you're going to charge me. You'll be a douche. <laughs> it's not up to me. You pay the club. You don't pay me, brother. You would. You would 100% charge me as would everybody else for good reason. <laughs> Make your money. Joel, great to see you, my friend. Thank you so much for uh, good talking to you, too, my friend. Good luck with everything. We'll definitely see you next time. Uh, My date's coming up here. Let's go ahead and pull those up, Sean, real fast. I've got – I'm going to be at the Comedy Room at Portofino in Wyandotte, Michigan on August 18th. Brad Garrett's Comedy Club here in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand, August 21st, September 5 through 7. I will be guest co-hosting with Dave Landau on Normal World on Blaze TV and then September 20th through the 24th. Harris Casino in Cherokee, North Carolina. This is Derek Richards. Find me online, DerekRichards.com. Thanks for watching the podcast. Thanks for being here. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Drink with Derek. Find out when Derek is appearing near you by checking out DerekRichards.com. See you next time for A Drink with Derek.